You're listening to The Blank Page Podcast. I'm your host, Paige Patterson, and I'm so glad you're here. Welcome. This is a space where I get to talk to creatives, entrepreneurs, and storytellers about what it means to be on a creative path, how to deal with the high highs and the low lows, and how to stay well along the way. As a creative myself, I am no stranger to riding the roller coaster, discreetly crying on the subway slash not so discreetly crying in my car, getting in my head, focusing on results, and just not having a good time. So my hope for this show is to create a community where we can all come together, lift each other up, remind each other to have fun, and feel fortified in returning to that proverbial blank page again and again. Thanks so much for listening and enjoy today's episode. Hello, friends of the Blink page. Happy Monday. It's kind of the first official Monday of 2020, which is exciting. I feel like everyone's back at work and doing all the things. So hopefully this will just add to your motivation. Today's episode is a super special one with Sarah Schenken. She's an actress. She is the mastermind behind the food blog and Actress Eats. It's also an incredible Instagram, which you must, must check out. But this this conversation is kind of the heart of why I'm doing what I'm doing with this podcast. Uh, I approached Sarah and asked, we talk about this a little bit, but I asked her if she would want to do the pod and she was a little bit hesitant because she is very much in transition and figuring everything out. And I think so many of the shows and podcasts and, and things like that are very focused on artists who are sort of in moments of success or um, in moments of like completions of cycles. And I'm very interested in talking to artists who are mid-cycle, who are figuring it out. And I know that that can be super vulnerable, but I'm very grateful to Sarah for having this conversation with me. It definitely opened my heart and mind and um, made me feel fortified in my journey and made me feel um, safe to just be where I'm at and to be messy and in process. And um, her candor is just so inspiring and beautiful. And just another reminder that sharing responsibly, of course, you don't want to overshare or anything like that, but sharing your story in a responsible, healthy way feels so good to do and teaches others so much. We all have something to give. And Sarah, thank you so much for sharing your story. I hope that you all are starting your 2020 off right. I'm real excited. I'm taking a scene study class with our uh, queen, who you remember from this podcast, Miss Megan Ketch. We have our first scene study class tonight, and I'm so excited to get up with the theater scene and... It's just, uh, I'm just feeling good about this year. I also had this moment yesterday watching the Golden Globes that I was like, I should talk about this on the podcast. I watched the Golden Globes. John worked a party for the Golden Globes. And, um, you know, I watched them. And normally every year I watch these award shows and I just feel this yearning, like, oh, I just want to be there someday. Like, I just, wow, one day I won't be on my couch in my PJs. I'll be there, which is all well and good. But I had this moment last night. Um, I was going to go get John maybe an hour and a half after the ceremony ended. 
And I was on my way to pick him up. And I was just like listening to the trio album, Linda Ronstadt, uh, Dolly Parton, and Emmy Lou Harris. And I was listening to it and I was driving down Sunset and there weren't many people around. And I was like literally in my nightie and one of John's sweaters. And I just had this moment where I thought, there's nowhere I'd rather be right now than in this car, enjoying my own company, enjoying the hell out of this music and going to pick up the one that I love. And it was just a beautiful moment of presence that I had to clock and celebrate because I know for for all of us, not just creatives, for all of us, we so often live in the land of, oh, I'll be happy when or I wish it was I wish I were at this level or whatever. But I'm just so grateful to be alive and um, exactly where I'm at. I'm so excited about it. And it was a really good feeling. And I wish that feeling on all of you this week. May you have one moment of that. Okay. Love y'all. Enjoy Sarah. Oh, one more thing. I have to ask you to bear with me on the audio on this one. I know it's not perfect. I'm still figuring out how to make Zoom technology work for me. I'm, you know, on my end, my computer with my mics and equipment. And the person who I'm speaking to is usually using the microphone from their phone or their computer. So I know it's less than desirable, but hopefully you can look past that and get over it and just really enjoy everything that Sarah is saying. And I'm looking forward to learning more about this and perfecting more and more audio for you guys in the future but I'm so grateful to just have this space and I've had so many of you guys reach out to me and say I love that it is in process I love that it's organic so thank you for seeing me in this way you know someday we'll be super profesh but we got to start somewhere right yes we do and without further ado here is Sarah so I am doing a amazing bi-coastal Zoom call with Sarah Schenken. Um, And Sarah is, she's so inspiring in so many ways. She's one of these um, women who, I, I've been saying this a lot. I feel like our generation of, of artists, creatives, we're a lot of hyphenates and Sarah definitely fits that mm. bill. I mean, you do so many yeah. things. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I do. I do. And I'm still sort of growing and exploring into that and trying to really own that hyphenate. I think it's hard to do. So that's definitely something I'm, I'm looking at now and Absolutely. have been. Well, yeah. I've been, I love starting these interviews with compliments and Sarah is one of these <laughs> beautiful, just grounded people to be around like such a great conversationalist. We met through Geocrobatin, through my friend Gia, who was also on here. And um, yeah, we kind of just maintained a relationship. She has this great blog um, and an amazing Instagram page called An Actress Eats. And it's like, like food porn to the max. And I learned about so much cool stuff. Like I ended up visiting so many great haunts because of your blog. It's amazing. Oh, I love that. I love that so much. That's, yeah. I mean, that was the reason I started it. And I honestly, like, I have the blog still, but I don't write as much on it anymore. And I think I'm still trying to figure out what I want to do with it now yeah. that I feel like I'm in a very different headspace than I was when I started it. But um, mm-hmm. the Instagram, I'm definitely on a lot. And that's that's what I've loved about Instagram in general in that space is, is kind of, yeah, seeing people's 
experience of the same city. I mean, at least for me being in New York, there's just so much here and so, so many amazing spots that, you know, have been here forever or open. And um, yeah, I'm so glad that that's been something you've experienced from it. Cause that's definitely what brings me joy with it is having people be like, I went to this place and it was so good. Or I took my parents here. Or, yes, like, exactly. That makes me happy. So I love yeah. that. Thanks, Kate. Of course, but you're just such a lovely person to be around. You have such an accessible, kind personality, and I've always kind of felt at home around you. So, you know, and then we had this amazing kismet experience in LA right after I moved at the beginning of the year where I went to the... the LA city municipal dance squad, they do these slightly guided dance parties, which are so fun. Cannot recommend highly enough. Highlight here. One of them for sure. Mine too. And we saw each other there. It was so crazy. Across the crowded dance floor. It was like a dream. It was like (laughs) a dream. It was so crazy. And she was there with her best friend. And then my first squirrel LA experience was with you two. And it was very memorable and special. Yes, which was extremely exciting for me because Squirrel is like a non-negotiable when I go to LA. I, every time I go, I have to go. And I always usually go with my friend Leah, my best friend. And um, it was so special to have you with, with us and to have it be your first time because I'm, of course, like, you have to try this. You have to try this. I'm just obsessed with it. So, it was no perfect. Shame. I was obsessed. And like, yeah, you know, food experiences are always so magnified by the people you're with. And it was such a special sure. memory. I loved it. Yeah, we're all going through so much. And and still, I still think about that conversation quite frequently, actually, because it was that trip was at a really difficult time for me in the last year. And mm-hmm. I remember we just all sat and talked like really vulner- vulnerably and mm-hmm. words? yeah, sure. yeah. <laughs> and just like we're really honest with kind of, I don't know, like you say that there's this feeling of home and safety. I feel that around my best friend and I, I feel that around you as well. And I think all three of us just we're just present with each other and talking about really hard shit. And yeah, yeah, I think about that so much actually. And that same experience of just how kismet can happen in that really beautiful way, kind of when you need it. Yeah. Um, And that, I mean, the municipal dance squad, like that was an incredible, like such an inspiring opening experience. So just cool to like connect with, um, with you there, like a woman who I admire so much and has seen just like blossom into this, creative being you know and we haven't known each other that long no we haven't to feel like we have this like pretty I feel like really deep like grounded connection in sort of that space so totally yeah gosh what a beautiful time that was that was so fun (laughs) so special and I feel like for both of us I mean you live in New York City but for me having just moved there it was like winter and it was so sunny and nice and we were just like having turmeric tonics like outside I know it's sort of I'm sort of crazy I mean not sort of I'm entirely craving that right now I'm due for a visit so around the time of year okay the Christmas trees are on the street I'm so sad about it the saddest thing forever Um, I mean I know I feel like doesn't New York take really good care of them like I feel like in New York they do take them into Central Park and like turn them into mulch or something I heard that at once that like sanitation does that I don't know. I have to, I have to fact check. (laughs) 
so beautiful. But, but it so. made me feel better because I do, especially, I mean, it's everywhere, but especially in New York, because there's so many people in such a small space, you just see everyone's dead trees yeah. on the sidewalk. And it's like really sad, <laughs> really, really sad. I was in my coffee shop this morning and I was writing and I was just sitting by the window and I just happened to look out when this guy was dragging this big garbage bag full of like tinsel or not tinsel, but like, oh. um, like the kind of like the, the the tree what is that called like the just strings of tree branches kind of that you hang everywhere oh What's garland that? garland yeah he just was like dumping it just like aggressively like all over the side of the street and I was just like so oh god sad. we're here again it's over it's over and it's not glamorous and back to work exactly Ugh. um it's not really beautiful. Yeah. I, I hope, I really do hope that they do the trees that way. Cause that would be like, that's just like such a return them to their friends. Yeah, exactly. Oh. <laughs> well, I just want to say thank you so much for having this conversation with me. I know we talked earlier and you're very much in transition and I know that for yeah. anyone, but especially artists and creatives, like being in transition is like for anyone really. It just is, it's so vulnerable and it's hard yeah. when you feel like you don't have the answers and every journey we go through, it's like you always get to the other side, but sometimes it can feel really raw and uncomfortable to talk about where you're at when you're not on the other side. Um, oh, for sure. I'm, I'm just as interested for the purposes mm-hmm. of this show. I'm just as interested in the artist in process and in you know, turmoil of sorts as I am in the artist who is in success. Um, and that's not to say that you can't be in success right now as well, but I feel like a lot of times we just kind of glorify like people, you know, a lot of the mainstream shows that we hear that are actor creative interviews are people who are like doing press for something or, Whereas I'm interested in people who are in process because we all are all the time. So I, I thank you for your courage. Oh my gosh. I mean, thank you for seeing me here. I think that was something that really struck me. I know we talked a little bit about having this conversation, I guess in December and mm-hmm. I was sort of like, Oh, I don't know. You know, I, I don't really know if I'm ready to talk about any of this. Or I don't know if this is what you're looking for and what struck me so much what, and has kept me feeling safe about it is, you just being like, right, this is about the creative journey. Like, this is about where you are. This isn't about, like, because you're right. I think a lot of interviews, especially with actors or even like, you know, the podcasts that are about business or about people who have struggled, it's kind of in the past tense. Of yeah, exactly. People who have, have, a, have like built their million dollar company or have gotten the movie role or whatever, and mm-hmm. they're looking back on their struggle. And that's really helpful. Like, I have found those, like, I love how I built this, the NPR oh, yeah. podcast, like, all mm-hmm. those, or a second. Second Life, which is great. Second Life is so good. You turned me on to Second Life. I love it. Oh, cool. I love that. Yeah, she's so wonderful. And and it's all so inspiring. But I think when you're in the middle of something where you don't feel like you have your way, um, or you don't have a singular goal that you're working towards necessarily, or you don't know what what that path forward is, I think it's hard to feel not, it's hard to not feel badly about yourself when you listen to those. I think me, that's true. So I don't know. I think I'm so, I told you before we started, I'm so nervous to have this conversation. But I'm, <laughs> I mean, way, saying like, it I just dissipates it, totally. <laughs> I know. Well, every time I've sat down with someone in person, I think this last year, you know, so many people that I love and people that even I don't know that well who I've grown to know 
through the year, like everyone is just struggling and that doesn't mm-hmm. have to be a negative. I think no, not at all through their own journey. And so much of that doesn't end up anywhere online or, no. you know, on social or anywhere. So I'm here for it. I'm ready. Yes. <laughs> I'm ready to go. <laughs> well, let's start at the beginning. Tell me about Tiny Sarah. What are some of your earliest memories of being a creative person? Um, how did that take shape? Was it something you always knew that you wanted to do? Like, did you know, oh, I want to be this X and X kind of creative when I grow up? Or what are some of your like most joyful, juicy, creative memories? Oh, I love that question so much. I think it's so important to look at who we were as kids. Oh my I think God. Yeah. Because it's who we are so- too. Oh my gosh. But it's also like before it's who you really are. Like before you know what being cool looks like or like yeah. what you think you should do or what you should wear, or who you should be. And I think mm-hmm. children are just unapologetically themselves and for better force. And I think mm-hmm. when I think about myself, I remember my parents um, filmed a lot when I was younger and it only goes until I'm about eight or nine. That's when my parents um, divorced. So like mm-hmm. that kind of but when we were really young we just have all this footage that I um I switched to or converted I guess to DVD like a few years ago oh, so and good I it's beautiful I mean it's so because it's so many moments that are just not that they're not important but they're not like a birthday or a whatever they're just daily life yeah and kind of not aware you're being watched and I remember when I got them back this is, this is getting back to your question but just yeah. that seeing myself from like being an adult and seeing myself as a child in a different context, I was just like, wow, this person, you know, who is this person? Like, where have they gone? I think my, because I think my, um, I was so moved and so emotional watching them because I'm as a little person, I'm just like shouting always. Like I'm just like <laughs> taking up so much space in the room. Yeah. It's just like so much space in the room. I feel like my eyes are always just like like lit up with just this like joy to experience and connect. I I was a kid. I was extremely um extremely just creative in every way. I mean, yeah. I I loved connecting. I was really empathetic as a young person, and I think that drew me to storytelling, kind of in any context. So I would like my brother and I. You know, we would play pretend what you know for hours and hours I had dress up boxes we had everything I did tons of art um I used to write like little books and draw I drew a lot and my mom would always say even like going you know becoming an adult or however you want to say it she'd be like you should go back to your art like you should go back to art because it was something that I loved um and I think my home that I grew up in was like was a very creative place I mean my parents are both creative and in the arts or in, you know, in some capacity. And, uh, I, we were just always playing, like we were always kind of encouraged to be creative in every way. Um, so whether that was like building things or experiencing things kind of in the world where, you know, like playing piano or Mm -hmm. ballet or drawing, I mean, art and, and, um, kind of creating worlds in our own spaces was sort of like the major things but they as a young person like just so loud so yeah. loud <laughs> so joyful and just sort of unapologetic um and that's what really moved me looking back at those videos is just like this person was just 
so there to take up space and not a negative way, just like there to own themselves. And I think when I got the kids back, it was at a point where I was like pretty lost and um, kind of trying to reconnect to myself. And I don't know, I've seen this with a couple other people talking about themselves as young people, just being like, oh my gosh, like I want to connect more to this person. I want to have that joy. Um, And that's definitely something I I still think about a lot. Uh, But yeah, we'll see what else would I do as a kid. I mean, yeah, all the normal things in terms of like, um, I was really, really interested in connection. I mean, I think from the beginning in every sense, whether that was through like imaginary playtime or like the real friends I had or my family. Um, Yeah. Yeah, it was really special, really special to look at. I mean, plenty of hard times and struggles and all the weirdness that happens in general. Of course. But but yeah. So I'm, I love that you're, I've had a few people on here whose parents were also creatives and I'm always curious if you feel like that was super helpful or a hindrance, like when you mm. became an adult and, or, you know, when you went to school and you decided to study this stuff or pursue it professionally, was there like, absolutely go get it. This is an, an important thing. Or was there any trepidation because of their own wounds and experience with creativity? Um, how, how do you, how do you think that that manifested for you? Yeah. Wow. Well, that's, there's a lot to unpack there. I mean, my, so my dad is a screenwriter, playwright. Um, he used to be an actor for many years. Mm-hmm. My mother was an actress, um, for many years, did a lot of voiceover work, like after she wasn't performing anymore, mm-hmm. um, kind of went into business with more of, um, like a creative outlook. That was like her, she was like a, a coach, like for businesses consultant. Mm-hmm. Um, I think growing up, with parents who were in the business, I guess, quote unquote, I mean, yeah, it was helpful and also not. I think it was helpful and beautiful in the sense that I was exposed to a lot of things as a kid and as a young person yeah, like that were really, about- yeah, but also just, you know, like we went and saw a lot of theater. We went to yeah. a lot of museums, traveled, like traveling was a big priority for my family. And um, I think that comes from my parents having similar, I mean, I know they, they're both incredible storytellers and yeah. incredibly um, interested, curious people. Yeah, um, the so. curiosity I think, was really fostered from the beginning. So no, I mean, I I kind of instinctively was very um, interested in performance, like from the beginning. I think. I mean, there's always a joke in my family. There's like we have a card. <laughs> my dad and my mom had saved all these like birth announcement cards, like in you know old photo albums or whatever. Mm-hmm. And for mine, there's one. Godfather just says. Welcome, Sarah. Don't be an actress. <laughs> Which is sort of like and what did you do? <laughs> I, well, exactly. It's tongue in cheek, but I think, you know, I was never hidden from the reality of the business mm-hmm. and how hard it is. And mm-hmm. I think when, in a couple ways, like when I decided I wanted to pursue it, I think my parents were endlessly supportive, but I think there was a good deal of like, I just want to make sure you understand what you're getting into, which yeah. again, when you're 18, like you have no idea, no. You have no idea what you're getting into, even if someone tells you that. But and I think, I think we're like kind of like universally protected by our ignorance. Like oh, yeah. otherwise you would totally. never go after it, you know? Totally. And you know, I think I, I was definitely told, you know, like this is hard. This is really hard, but if you want to do this, like we support you a thousand percent. And I feel like, the second I made that choice, I was, 
I mean, I was supportive beforehand, but, but very always supportive in that choice. I think, no, it was not something that I was like a hundred percent. This is what I want to do. I was terrified. I was terrified. Yeah. yeah. And even though the performance was really joyful, it was also like incredibly anxiety provoking for me. And mm-hmm. it kind of triggered a lot of fear. And I mean, I think even my plan for college initially was like kind of a, I mean, safe in the sense that I was like, well, I don't really know if I want to do this. So I want to be sure that I go somewhere that I have a backup plan. You know, like I can, if I'm yeah. not interested in the art program, like I can drop out and go do something else. Like, mm-hmm. and that was what um, led me. So I applied early to Northwestern. That was my dream school. Mm-hmm. And um, in a sense, cause it has that theater department. It's also really, really good university. So, um, I, yeah. I was not accepted, which was like, I had applied early because I had a college counselor who was like, yes, you're totally, you have everything that, you know, they usually accept and all these things. And it was like a huge, <laughs> yeah, it was a huge blow. I was devastated. Yeah. And it was, <laughs> was kind of like, oh shit, you know, I have to get it together. And I guess like audition for schools. And like, I just sort of ironically ended up in a conservatory, but it was within the context of university um, at the University of Miami. It was not where I expected to go ever. Mm-hmm, it was mm-hmm. not where particularly wanted to go I mean right until I did and met my teacher uh, my future acting teacher um, and saw kind of the environment there and the students there but before mm-hmm. that no I did not um, but no so my parents I mean I think as an adult now I understand so much more of the struggle and the evolution of creativity through your yeah. life yeah watching both and it's been really difficult I mean I I have a really complicated relationship with my mother and um, I feel like I'm sort of now really connecting with my father and like understanding mm-hmm. what creativity means to him and how he feels, how he feels about it now as, you know, in his sixties. Um, and I've heard more stories of, of real, of real moments of doubt and struggle and that kind of beautiful thing that we're, we're all fighting through at any yeah. time of just like, what am I doing? You know, these moments that you look back on and not that everyone, you know, quote unquote, finds their way in this perfect way, but just, I think now I'm finally kind of getting more of a context for things. But I do think, I wonder about kids who don't grow up in artistic homes, like how they really find it. Because I, I was kind of always surrounded by it. It was just something that was always in my home and um, never pushed on me, but definitely something that I was inspired by. And Mm -hmm encouraged when I expressed an interest uh but that also yeah like that puts pressure I think in a sense like when you have parents in the same industry I think inevitably you're gonna feel parents who are successful you know you're gonna you're gonna feel pressure to succeed and to achieve I think my family in general is just like high achieving and and pretty perfectionist driven people yep um recovering perfectionist or you know trying to Mm -hmm. recover Mm -hmm. So I see that now, like really kind of impacting really everyone in my family and, and myself, definitely. I mean, I yeah. think that's been really hard in this industry. I think everyone struggles with some degree of that. Oh, yeah. Well, I always but, ask this question and I sort of, I mean, then we'll circle back, but what do mm-hmm. you, do you feel like it, you mentioned like perfectionist tendencies? I am totally recovering perfectionist and work oh on it God. every day. But what yeah. do you feel like is the biggest hindrance to your creativity? Is it that perfectionism? Is it a number of things? 
I was thinking about this recently because uh, I listened to some of the other, we talked about some of the other episodes yeah. that really struck um, of yours. And I think it's fear, really. Okay. I think the more that I really started to think about myself and really unpack, you know, through therapy and a lot of really hard things this past year, um, just how much my fear is just deeply rooted in everything. And I yeah. think when you're young and your kind of stability gets kicked out from under you, I think you inevitably develop all these coping mechanisms and all these things that keep you safe that aren't necessarily serving you. Yeah. Um, and sometimes they can make you successful for a while. Like, yeah, exactly. Exactly. I think and sometimes I, I think they, they work for a minute and then until they don't, and then it's sucks. That's exactly what she said. We were having dinner this was last year and she was like, it's kind of like the things that were working for you for so long don't work anymore. Yeah. You don't know what to do. It's like, sucks. that's exactly what it feels like. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Um, so I think it's fear. I think it's fear of ultimately feeling like I'm not good enough. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that that idea of like self-worth and what confidence really looks like is also something I've really sort of grappled with in a really intense way is like, I always thought myself as a pretty confident person and, and believed I was, you know, I was like, I, I know I'm talented. I know I deserve this. And yeah. then it's sort of on a surface level in a way. And when you really start to dig into it, you're like, wait a minute, that's actually not at all what I actually feel like kind of, kind of like a core level. And you yeah. start to sort of unpack it and like unravel it from itself. Um, so I think my fear, my fear of trying really hard at something and not succeeding or waking up, I used to say like waking up in, 40 years and being like, what have I done with my life? Like, uh, what is my life? Yeah. Kind of having that hindsight of being like, oh my God, I, I didn't do the things I wanted to do, or I didn't make it, whatever that means. Yeah. Um, yeah. Not just in the context of the business. I think like when you say creativity, I, it's just so all encompassing. I mean, it's your whole life. That I, yeah. There's projects I've been really passionate about and still am passionate about. And just, I sometimes just feel so paralyzed with how to proceed forward that I don't do anything and then that kind of perpetuates that cycle of just like self-loathing and frustration um I would say that yeah fear of that I would say fear of like of being ultimately really vulnerable and and I think I've always considered my and I know I am a very vulnerable person I'm open with pretty much anyone like I really do crave that really deep connection with people but being vulnerable in the sense of of exposing yourself in what you like ultimately desire for others to look at. I think it's so hard. It's so Um, hard and it takes so much practice and like really uncomfortable practice. It does. And like rather than just like retreating. Like I think I there's so many moments, even in my relationships and my friendships and my my every you know, everything. You can bring it back to everything of just this like the impulse that you have a lot of the time is an old pattern is an old pattern that keeps you safe. Yeah. And sometimes, and like this year, I've just been like, Oh my gosh, you know, when I feel like I want to retreat, like I have to extend, like I have to extend whether that's like being there for my friends in a real way or, or being vulnerable and putting myself out there, even in the relationships that are the most intimate and the most Mm -hmm. safe. I think I still do this. And I, I yeah, I mean, and you know, I've had a I've had a, a good amount of really good work, but I also, you know, in in industry, but I also have had so much crushing rejection 
And it's been really hard the last couple of years to keep getting back up again. And I think that has only, I mean, this last year, I mean, was, was only something that compounded all of those feelings. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think ultimately fear as a whole entity is what hinders me because that just sort of spins into everything. Yeah. Yeah. Can relate. Yeah. So I want to hear about sort of how you, what your journey has been in terms of the mediums of your creativity. Where did you start? Where you're at, where are you at now? And I know that that, you know, that you're in transition now a little bit. Um, but yeah. yeah, like how, where has there been um, total joy and, you know, where have the struggles been and where, where have you been and where are you at? Yeah. That's like, how long do you have? <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously. <laughs> Go so for it. I know. So I know. Levels. But that's why I wanted to talk to you because I do think I want to, I want to talk about all of this as a continuum because I think now that we're all, I don't know, I feel like all of my friends who are getting into like thirties and beyond, it just, it morphs and it changes and, and that's beautiful. And I really want to showcase that. Well, yeah. And I think when you're 20, like, you know, you come to New York or you go to wherever and you're just so hungry to follow this path. you're And on. like laser focused and, on the path that you're on. Yeah. And it's like such a, it's such a narrow path. Like I think. I yeah. Think there's no zoom path. out at all. There's no, no zoom. Out. There's no like understanding of what being creative actually means. And there's no like understanding of how to take care of yourself as a person. There's no, there's no, they don't teach you in school, like how to be a human being <laughs> aside from, you know, like the work and what that brings out. And I will say, like, I think action training is so valuable in general in the sense of how it leads you to really be compassionate and, and really ask tough questions and totally really, yeah, like, like just deepen your empathy for others and others' stories and struggles. Um, but um, when you're 20, like, you know, I remember being 20 and being like, I'm not going to ever work in a restaurant when I'm 30. Oh my God. Like, when no, I'm my dream, 30, my dream is out. to go back to all of my like uh, programs or any acting program and be like, I'm not going to tell you how to break into the business. I'm not going to tell you any of this. I'm going to tell you that you have to have stamina and not the stamina to keep going to those auditions, the stamina to keep um, finding joy in your day-to-day life. <laughs> and this, oh, like cool. the courage so to know that like, your life is going to morph and you're going to have like really long periods of feeling like shit. And then you'll have really great periods, but like how it is self in self care and not in like the buzzy, like Instagrammy way, but like, how are you going to learn how to take care of yourself? Yes. Yes. And take care of like your community, like your friends, the people like fostering those relationships. I think it's a oh, long God. ass game. And I don't think you realize that when you're coming out of school, you're so, no, and maybe, no, maybe there's course. no capacity for that kind of knowledge yet, but I'm like, oh, I wish that, and I, maybe people did, but I wish people would have been like, listen, it's going to be like 10, 20 years down the road and you're going to feel probably the same way. So how are you going to cope with it? You know? Like when you're 20, like 30 feels so far away and you just feel like, oh, well, if I haven't accomplished, you know, everything I want to by then, then like I should just quit. Like, <laughs> exactly. I'm a loser. <laughs> exactly. But I do think like I, I just turned 30 this year or last year, I guess. It's 2020. I turned 30 in 2019 um, and it was big. It was really big. And I think partially because you feel like you, you're not fucking around anymore. Like right. there was this element that was such an anxiety it still is I fight it all the time like this 
source anxiety of like, well, you're not a kid anymore. Like you're not in your twenties anymore. Ooh, like turning 30 was doing. my rock bottom for sure. That was my rock oh, bottom. Year. It was so <laughs> hard for me. It was hard for me. I yeah. think, I mean, as an actress and as all the things I was like, wait, it's what you're saying. When I was in school, I was like, oh, by 30, psh, duh, I'm going to have done a few TV shows. I probably will have a cute family and be rich. And then you're like, wait, it's like you're saying like, what? I'm still in a restaurant. You're like, what? what? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is not what I thought it was going to be. No, exactly. And I, I think that's, that's what it is. It's like, this is not what I thought. Mm-hmm. This is not what I thought. Yeah. You know, you, you come out, like you said, so laser focused and with this very singular idea of what being creative means. And I think throughout your twenties, like, oh, so, and I'm still like really trying to unravel this. And I think it's going to be, you know, a lifetime, but just, I was so tightly wound. Like everything was just about control and feeling safe and like keeping everything so together and perfect. And that was, that was true in my work, you know, like that was true in everything. Like I was not really allowed to be messy. I was not Mm -hmm. really allowed to like, try something out, mm-hmm. you know, and maybe suck a lot. Like I was not, and that wasn't from anyone else giving me that permission. That was like myself just right. kind of operating on the super high frequency. And I think eventually it broke me. Like I think in the last two years, I think feeling like, well, one, like hitting a period where I wasn't getting, I mean, I didn't work at all in 2019 I didn't get yep. any acting work. And yep. that's the first time that's ever happened to me. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I know that that's, you know, that's also a luxury and being able to say that, but I. No, but you don't know until it, you experience it. You and mine was that three year period. And I was like, are you, is this a joke? <laughs> is this the universe trying to tell me something I don't understand? And it's, it's hard. It like, I mean, you can, you can interpret any way you want. I know people don't always believe in things being for a reason, but I, I think the, the time that then you're you're kind of forced to really just look at yourself and like think about what makes you happy. I think thinking about turning 30 and like entering a new decade, like I feel, I feel so, um, I mean, in a lot of ways I still feel incredibly lost. Like I, I don't really know what the path forward is, but I do feel like so much more cracked open than I was when I was 20 and so much more aware of like, of just how many ways there are to be, creative and I think that's also like a big a big thing about this year that we just started is Mm -hmm. I've been thinking about that and being like like you said kind of the long game of even just life happiness like what is what is what is what are the things that really matter and what are the day-to-day things that really matter and um oh yeah so the journey oh gosh I don't know but this No, but this is helpful. So this is where you're at and this is where you've been. But I mean, in terms of like logistics. Logistics. Okay. So in terms of like when I came to New York or in Yeah, like specifically, um, like we know where you went to school and like, so take us through from Uh, school to now. I know it's long, but abridged or long, whatever you want to do. I'll try to abbreviate. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. so I graduated uh, 2011. I kind of went, I went to school. Well, I mean, at school, we learned all different, like our program was pretty um, encompassing. Like there wasn't really that much of a separation between musical theater and theater, but I graduated musical theater. And that was sort of like my um, thing I was going to pursue, like in New yeah. York. And I got my manager the summer before I came to the city because I was just happened to do a regional show with a friend of mine who was already repped by them. Um, mm-hmm. They've been my manager um, since then. 
since the beginning. That's awesome. Uh, it was great. So I did come to the city with reps, which was really helpful. And mm-hmm. uh, I was equity. I was EMC by that point. So that was also um, helpful. But uh, I kind of just hit that really hard. I was like mostly musical theater. Um, which is so acting. admirable to me. I studied musical oh. theater initially and wanted to do that and then bailed out so hard because I was like, wait. I feel like I'm just going to have to fit into this other girl's costume in Wicked. And I'm oh, so God. scared of that. And yeah. I, I know that's not true at all, but I was so scared. And I remember every time in New York when I would have auditions at Telsey, I would just be like, gosh, these musical theater actors are so courageous. Like you have to go in again and again. And, you know, I think it, it was harder for me to rationalize um, bringing my individuality to something. Um, mm-hmm. Like at musical theater started, I, I made it up in my head that I had to like fit into these roles and these types and all these things when like really our favorite musical theater performances are the ones where people bring their own yeah. special sauce to that, to Fontaine or whatever. You know what I mean? But yeah. I think it's so courageous nope. and amazing. I think that was a big thing about my program. Like plenty of issues with my program, plenty of things I look back on now and I'm like, what the, f- <laughs> you know, but yeah. I, all of us, I feel like my experience was that they did really encourage that individuality and then it all really came back to storytelling. And I think that's why I loved musical theater when I graduated school, because I kind of understood at a core level in some sense, like the beauty of what that medium is. And I do think it's incredibly powerful. And I think studying it in the way we did was just like such a beautiful time. Mm -hmm. I will say like, I could not have more anxiety thinking back on that. I like when I graduated New York, like graduate school came to New York and was like doing big calls or like going into rooms. Like I was just, again, I was so tightly wound Mm -hmm. that it was just like, it was like, get the things, you know, get it perfect, get it together, like show up for the thing. I was like so driven. And so, I mean, I think about it now. Do you remember early auditions? I don't even remember them because I was so tightly wound too. I would truly black out. I would go in and be like, wait, what? There was zero presence because I was so focused on trying to hit marks exactly. that I wasn't like, even that, in the room. <laughs> like, oh my God. Yes, it definitely. I remember some like horrible, just like early mornings and the calls and just all the things, even having appointments, you know, like I, I really feel for my, for me, I never have more anxiety than when I have to sing for an audition still. It's um, so scary. It's very vulnerable. Because the way that your nerves stuff. manifest in your body oh completely hinder exactly. that. <laughs> completely hinder that. I know. Oh my gosh. But I will say, like you said, I have so much respect for my friends um, who, and, and people in the industry who I don't know, who have really are able to to do that, like, you know, do these auditions and do these calls and, and mm-hmm. do them again and again. I don't know, because I feel so, again, it's something I wrestle with still. It's like I feel so much anxiety about that kind of performance, even though it has brought me so much joy in certain moments of my life. Um, and that was my first big job. Well, yeah, kind of. I So I came to New York. I was doing that. I randomly, I say randomly because it did feel very random. Um, yeah. I booked a role at 30 Rock uh, a couple of months after the city. And it was weirdly, like it was a saying, the audition was like a uh, it's the star to be from Annie solo, like the NYC. Thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, which is like this bit that ended up becoming really, people really liked it. And, um, but it was weird. I'd never been in for any TV. I'd oh, never wow. been in for any TV. It was like so fluky. I, it felt so fluky to me. Um, 
And I just was like, so green. <laughs> yeah. I was like, Oh, cool. Wow. Okay. You know, I'll do this thing. Like I get free lunch from this. Like, I know what I, you know, it's so funny to think about now, but, um, so that happened, but it didn't air until I was already out of the city. So I, I ended up getting the wicked tour. Mm-hmm. Um, the first national tour that's now closed but was out for many years I think like nine years or something wow um that like February after the year I moved so I I went on it was very again very quick it I'd never been in for healthy I'd never been in for wicked which is also Mm -hmm. like knowing all I know about wicked now in my friends experiences you know that's not really normal like usually you go in five or six times and this was just again one of those moments where you were in the right place at the right time they didn't have list and it was like they were looking for new people and I ended up being what they were looking for at that exact second mm-hmm. um at, you know New York I where they were like you got to be in Arizona in a week and I oh left and I was on tour for almost two years um so I guess like like 18 months so like a year and a half mm-hmm. uh, like a whole roller coaster of experience I mean that's probably the best one of the best times of my life in the sense of I mean, everything. I, mm-hmm. I was a very hard transition because again, like I had no real experience with how to have that kind of stamina. Mm-hmm. I, I've never, and I was singing soprano, which I like oh also. I had a teacher in college and I will, I will not say his name because I'm not going to do that. But like I had a teacher in college tell me that I was never going to be a soprano, never going to work as a soprano. Um, I was we were like singing for him or something. And I remember he said that to me and I was like, whoa you know it crushed me at the time and then I remember getting this part and being like fuck you dude like yeah. I'm doing like the first soprano you know I'm doing it um, yep but that being said it was I had to learn a lot I mean muscle memory and all of that is no joke you kind of just one day click it and it, it it's there but like it was on top a of having your whole stuff. routine like oh up, god yeah you know like you're living out of a suitcase that's so crazy so crazy and um and but it was so beautiful like I made such incredible friends it was an incredible community uh we were in like a really special time for that tour I mean there really was no drama like really not much at all everyone really loved each other and we had a great schedule I mean first production contracts are just like so nice Mm -hmm. I mean we were sitting in the city for four to eight weeks at a time and um we were mostly west coast uh i got to be home you know That's and so do nice. the, at home so i was a glinda cover it was one of two um ensemble covers so i was in the mm-hmm. show every night but i heard her and um that was just an incredible experience i mean from top to bottom everyone i got to work with um doing that show i felt like really mattered it was something i i still feel like is a show that really matters yeah i agree people watching it that really matters and can matter and um that really struck me and and it was just so fun I just mm-hmm. remember being like this is what I do for a living and yeah. I mean, not to say that, like you know we didn't all have many days where we were like I, I don't want to come in yeah I, I don't, don't want to do that like- yeah like please don't make me do like a ninth show like I just would rather die mm-hmm. um, you know it it was incredible I mean and I I had such a tough time at the end. I, my body kind of fell apart and I yeah. sort of like had a mental breakdown. Mm-hmm. Um, so the transition of leaving that was really difficult for me. And coming back to New York was really difficult. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I did that and then was just in New York again, had a really tough time adjusting 
because again, your routine kind of gets set and everything's mm-hmm. sort of taken care of for you. And then coming back to the city, I was so depressed. I was struggling with a lot of like physical issues um, and anxiety. And I, I hear this from a lot of my friends um, and people I know who've done tours or done long jobs. It's really hard to come back yep. and kind of assert yourself. Like it's, it's nice. Like you have some money, you know, cause you've been working on a long gig and like, that's a blessing and you don't have to go back to like a job job right away, but kind of the, the endless open space is really hard. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think then I started to do more TV auditions. I was doing more theater, like Wicked opened a lot of doors for me in terms of mm-hmm. the rooms I was in. Mm-hmm. Um, my next big job was I did the Heart of Robin Hood in Canada, which was supposed to come in to Broadway. We had a Broadway contract and it ended up just completely falling apart. Mm-hmm. But we were in Canada for six months. I think I remember um, that one. I think I might have gone in for that. Was that Telsey yeah. too? It was Telsey. It yeah. was an Icelandic team. It was a very interesting project, I think, and it had so much potential. It was really sad, uh, really sad how it all went down. But yeah. um, really interesting, you know, the director was Icelandic. We had this kind of cool production team. And um, we, I'd never built a show before. And I think this show had been done before, but like I'd never been part of a show that was trying to come to Broadway or trying to like workshop itself. And again, you know, oh, hard, hard. And so good. hard. Like, really yeah. Days. Like I had my heart broken. Um, I was really bored creatively by the end, just mm-hmm. like not getting joy out of the work. But again, like met some really incredible people and um, it was a great experience. I mean, it was hard. It was hard. It was yeah. hard. It was really yeah. hard. But there were some great things. And that's kind of when I started looking elsewhere for creative inspiration because I was not being satisfied with the work I was doing. Yeah. On, um, and that's sort of just when like I started. Just like actor for hire gigs weren't really. Yeah. Or even just, you the know, joy. like we'd done the show for so long and we got extended, but we weren't going to come to New York. And it was just like, there was some bad energy and the company was really exhausted and yeah. people were getting injured and, and people were having a tough time. And I think it was winter in Canada, you know, we were all yeah, like, really at the end. Um, and that's kind of when I started writing about food and thinking about another way. And this ironically, it's so funny. People are like, I feel like people try to monetize their creativity a lot. And I think that is so true for me too, of being like, well, right. Like I like this thing and like I can use it to not have to do other work anymore. And I think there's so little that's just for the sake of being joyful. Um, And I think that was initially like how I approached my blog or my Instagram was like, you know, that was kind of back in 2015, I guess, when Instagram Mm -hmm. was like, oh, you can actually kind of do something with this. And yeah. I was like, oh, I can blog. Like people do that. And like, I could do this. You know, yeah. like, I could monetize it and I could, yeah. you know, not have to work elsewhere anymore. Like when I'm mm-hmm. between gigs. Mm-hmm. But I think I always struggle from the beginning of where I kind of fit into that scene of like food people and actors talking about food. I think that was the initial, I mean, inspiration for the blog was like the Chekhov book, like an actor prepares. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, an actor eats. That's so oh my God, cute. That's and so like, cute. I was like, oh, it like works. Um, and it was gonna be kind of more bridging the two of like there's this misconception of like actresses especially are so controlled around food and yes. they don't eat. And I was like, you know, so many people that I know, like especially actresses or actors, you know, are so because it's so creative and so um it's another way of storytelling. I do feel like 
people are really drawn to food um, yes. in general. Like yes. my performer friends are like more into food than a lot of my other friends. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so I started doing that. I came back to the city. I did I was doing more TV. I did a couple um, things I really loved. I mean, the highlight for me, I guess, from that period after that was um, I did the sh- the show Z on Amazon. Oh yeah, that was uh, yeah. It was based period on the streets and dollar. Yeah, period piece. I that's like my jam, man. I Same. listen. I love doing period pieces. I get hired for them uh, more often than not. Yep. I was always like. I'm never going to get hired to like play someone in the real world at my own age. Like, gosh, it's not going to happen to me. Um, but uh, yeah, and that was really, really special. I mean, again, I joined when we shot the pilot. So it was like from the beginning. Oh, that's nice. Uh, yeah, Christina Ricci was, had brought the book to Amazon and was an executive producer, was in it, was playing um, Zelda Fitzgerald. Zelda. Yeah. Yeah, The Wife of F. Scott, uh, which is an incredible story. I think it's really worth reading mm-hmm. um, in a lot of ways. But she was incredible to work with. And the pilot was directed by Tim Blake Nelson, an actor I really, really respect. Yes. And, uh, and it was just such a positive experience. I met one of my dear friends, Maya Kazan, on that show. And mm-hmm. um, we, we've stayed very close. And and then we got to come back in a, a year later and shoot the series. Um which lasted for a season. It got canceled. Uh, it got renewed and then it got canceled. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, so positive. Like we shot in Georgia. I'd never been a part of a team that was doing kind of like a long running, like not just a guest star, like something where I was there for a significant period of time. Mm-hmm. And I loved it. I loved it so much. Uh, I loved everything. I loved the crew. I loved the team. I loved the people I was working with. Um, and I think that was a, kind of the, one of the first times where I really got to experience what a set was like and feel like, oh, this is something I like, I think I really like. I kind of always felt like mm-hmm. I wouldn't like TV. It's so repetitive. I was like, how do right. you like this when you're shooting in 40 times? But I think actually doing it, I was like, oh, this is kind of using a different part of my brain. Totally. I really. This. Yeah, I really like it. It does feel like it, you actually do feel like a sense of community. And mm-hmm. kind of, Similar way that you do with theater. That totally. I kind of like, I don't know if I'm going to find that with film. It's hard to be so a good was- judge of it, like, in the beginning of your career when you're kind of, like, just showing up for a few days and then leaving and people aren't that nice. But it's true when you do – because I had that experience, too. When you start on a pilot, it is, like, that summer camp theater feeling if it's a good group of people. And it's delicious. Like, it's amazing. Yeah. It really was. And I think, again, another experience I think back on with a lot of love and just good feelings um so yeah and then you know uh gosh I'm not like thinking I don't even know when that was that was a couple years ago I guess mm-hmm. since then it's been like I think I started to transition more into even auditioning for more tv and less theater I think musical theater started to appeal less to me mm-hmm. partially because I I wasn't aside from a few projects that I was really you know close to and invested in like I was not really feeling very inspired um, by most of the stuff I was going in for kind of being like, I don't, I don't really want to prepare this. I don't really want to do this. Um, Same with TV. Honestly, I think it's, it, it got kind of boring. Like I was like, I don't play like, you know, the way I look, I feel like kind of pigeonholes me sometimes into things I don't find very interesting. And Mm. um, I think it took a couple of weird things like booking kind of weird jobs for me for people to be like oh yeah okay yeah I get that 
Um, but yeah, so theater, musical theater is, is tough for me. I don't feel like I'm really there anymore. And like, while I love it as a medium, I think it's so beautiful sometimes. Um, again, I feel so much anxiety around it and I don't really feel connected. Yeah. Um, and I've had some pretty tough rejection in that yep. capacity. Yep. And that's been really hard for me to like keep showing up. I have a lot um, of friends like that. And I think because especially in New York, like the musical theater world is tiny, like the rejection gets harder and harder. And when you get closer to bigger projects and then you don't get it again, you're like, God damn it. I literally don't want to go in that room again. Like it hurts. Yeah, you know? Or like the job will circle back, you know, a year later, you know, and, and I have like, a couple of that. No. One project. <laughs> Yeah, where I was like, okay, like this has got to be the time, and then it doesn't happen again, and you're yeah. just like, God, exactly, yeah. just like, what? feels like insanity. It? it does, it does. Um, so I think since then, yeah, just really struggling, like, to find my place. I mean, I think I kind of the spirit I'm in now kind of kicked off with this uh, job I got. It was one of the biggest jobs, at least for me. It was a really, really big job, which was. Um, the movie Late Night that came out with Mindy Kaling's um, first feature, like writer, director, producer, or not director, writer, producer. Uh, and I had had shoulder surgery that winter. I was recovering from it. I was still in my sling, my arm oh sling. Uh, I remember I hadn't auditioned in a while and I was like, you know, I love this material. And like, I think I feel like I know what I want to do with it. And it was kind of one of the first times I didn't feel like I needed to ask or like I wanted to go run it by anyone. I was like, you know, I'm just going to throw this at the wall. I feel like I know what I want to do. And mm-hmm. I ended up booking this job and which was amazing. And Oh my God, of course filming you it, <laughs> You're like, it was, it was like, it was such a dream. I mean, I was playing Emma Thompson at 19. Um, it was like her backstory for the movie. And so I was British and I was a stand-up comic. And I was doing stand-up comedy, which what? was, it was terrible. I mean, I like, I've never done it in real life. I don't think I ever would. Oh my God. Uh, maybe I should. It's so scary. Yeah, right. But, um, try it this year, 2020. Yeah. Stand up. Oh God. <laughs> I mean, her writing is so, Mindy's writing is just so great. And, um, and oh man, it was just such a experience where I was just like, okay, here we are. Like, let's mm-hmm. do the thing. Like, let's like do the, be vulnerable, be big, be messy. Um, and I, I just felt like while it was so scary, it was so satisfying. Mm. And again, you know, Mindy has a background in a lot of different things. And I remember her directing me or not directing. I mean, yeah, directing me basically to like, as kind of just like playing with the text. Um, she'd be like, try this thing. Or like, what about if we just like kind of went on a tangent here and you did kind of this, this, like, you know, get to this point eventually. And, you right. know, things like that where you're like, okay, I'm improving in yep. front of Mindy Kaling. Like, okay. Oh, you know, or like, God. oh, sitting across from Emma Thompson, like who I think is one of the greatest actors to ever live. Like, um, it was just so amazing. And again, like I just felt like high the whole time. Like I was mm-hmm. just high on like the group of people I was with and the whole process. And it went to Sundance. It and we got announced it was going to Sundance. And I remember getting a call from my I don't know, like the whole year I was like, I think I'm I'm I was just it was just so big for me. It was so big like, that happening. I was like turning point I didn't want to tell anyone like I didn't even want to own it that's what makes mm-hmm. me kind of sad about it now was like I didn't even want to tell anyone because I was like worried that if I said something at the bottom would you know or, yeah kind of or like that I wasn't and again this goes back to like a self-worth thing like I was I didn't feel confident enough to share that and I remember my yeah. boyfriend at the time was like why are you telling people he, we go to parties and he'd be like 
they'd be like, well, what are you up to? And I'd kind of say something and he'd be like, and you just did this huge movie. Like, what's wrong with you? Like, why aren't you telling people? Whoa. I think because I have, again, like this, maybe this feeling I didn't deserve it or this feeling that I wasn't, I didn't want to make others uncomfortable mm-hmm. with that. I don't know. It was just like, it felt very uncomfortable for me to talk about it and tell anyone. And then of course, like you can't, and maybe it was like me self, you know, in some sense, like protecting it. Right. right. Like if I right. don't say anything, it'll come true. Or I just, mm-hmm. it was so big. I was yeah. like, there's no way this is going to ha- actually happen. And then, and then the bottom dropped out and I got a call from the producer that they cut the whole prequel, like the whole section that I was in. Um, mm-hmm. And they were extremely kind about it and, and were very um, supportive and wonderful. But it was, again, it was just like such a blow. And I think yeah. after that year and I was now looking back on it, like I was going through a pretty intense period of depression and um, mm-hmm. that just sort of like kicked the whole thing out. I Not think helpful. for me, I was like, yeah, I was just kind of like, what am I doing? You know, what, what am I going to do with, you know, just with my life? I think it turned into this whole thing of like, how am I ever going to make any money? How am I ever going to have any stability? How am I ever going to get any, any other job? I mean, it was just, it was so big. I remember like sobbing on my couch, like with my, my boyfriend at the time, like we were going to go see a play and like, I just like could not wrap my head around yeah. what life would be like and like what our life would be like just with two actors and yeah. I think there's so much that I crave and like I craved at the time and crave now that I think is is what is still a struggle of like you want the stability you want the financial security you want you want all these things and especially like I said before when you're like you're not 20 like I use that as such a thing to beat up on myself of like you're not a kid anymore you gotta get your shit together yeah and I was like you like fighting for your health insurance now like you are too old to be doing this you know yeah and again such a shift in perspective to be like oh nobody has it figured out like people are just starting out when they're 30 yeah basically that's my experience people are going through so much and I think what's um, confusing for our generation in some ways at least what I've been realizing for myself is that so many people in our parents' generation were going through what we're going through. It's just they did it under the guise of having children and potentially yeah. owning a home. So it and looked like they had their know. shit together. And yes, it adds yeah. an extra level of like, well, I have to have my shit together because there are tiny people who depend on me and bills to sure. pay. But I think like it's not that different. Our adolescence has maybe lasted a little bit longer, but the feelings are the same. And it, we just have this false sense that well, my parents and my grandparents and everyone had it together and I don't. It's just a new paradigm, I think. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. I totally agree. I could not agree more. Because I think, again, it was a big – it's that big shift, I mean, compounded with when you start to realize your parents are actual human beings. So yes, and then you have, like, real feelings for <laughs> yeah, that instead like, of just blaming. Can manipulate you, right, like, can manipulate you and they can be conflicting yep. and they can have – you know, and you're starting to see them as real people, but you're also starting to see that, like, this ideal of what you thought success looked like or stability looked like, like kind of never existed in a sense. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a big thing for me too, this whole year of being like reckoning with that, of being like, well, is the thing that I thought I was supposed to achieve, like actually what I want or like actually even possible or actually even, even good, like in, in its own self thing. I think again, like seeing your parents as adults and seeing the things they struggle through, um, 
it really puts your exactly like puts your own stuff in perspective of like wow it's a different it is a different paradigm for us like I do think we growing up in the age of social media is mm-hmm. obviously super influential and like I think we were told I think we were encouraged in a, in a lot of ways to like live your dreams like follow your passion yes. like you don't have to work right like everything that like all your financial security should come from your passion and I yep. think there's something beautiful about that, but also like really put such a burden on your creativity. It really um, does. Provide for you like all of this stuff. And like, again, I think that's what's really hard for me about acting. Like is I, I have had this conversation with a lot of people and I've had it with myself of like, I sometimes feel like maybe the work isn't worth what comes with it. Like mm. sometimes that was a big thing this year of of feeling so like, oh, like if I knew that the work was worth all of this, like if I knew that like being an actor was the only thing I wanted and that it brought me so much joy that like everything else was worth it, then I think I like I could get that. And a lot of my friends are like that where they right. are like, this is the thing that I want to do. This is the thing that makes me the happiest. Like I'm going to do whatever it takes to make that work. And like, I think I just sort of felt really alone in the feeling of like, well, maybe it's not enough. Like and you're looking me. it like in me. the face, which is so courageous. Yeah. And I think that oh. it takes people years to do that. And I think, you know, even though the period that you might be in right now is super scary, like it's so good. It's so good to ask these questions because I feel like people just stay asleep and like mildly unhappy. And then one day wake up and are like, what? No, this is not what I want to be doing. I hate this. And I think that the way that we're fed things, and it's kind of like what you were saying before, but the way that especially like, especially acting, I think there's a lot of like shame around like um, questioning, like, why are we taught in school that you need to eat, sleep and breathe this? Like, no, you don't. You don't. Oh God. Yes, exactly. You don't actually. It's really healthy if you have a life outside of it. It's really healthy if you want to take time off of it. It's really healthy if you question if it's the thing for you, you know? I totally agree. And I think that's really hard. I think, again, like I think for myself, like who has always been someone that that feels safest when things are lined up in a row and clear and controlled to be like, wait, if I take a step back or I do this other thing or I, or I maybe want to shift or whatever the reason is, that just doesn't fit into the thing. It feels deeply uncomfortable and it feels like I've failed. Um, and I think that is kind of the journey I'm on now is, is I've never really, I've never really taken any space from it. And even, even now saying that, I'm like, I still feel like I'm not really taking space from it, but I, I do feel like I'm I've taken more steps to explore other things, I guess, in a more, like, again, exploring the idea of creativity and kind of the longevity of it, like what it can maybe bring as an entity, as opposed to like, I can only achieve this through being an actor. Like, I think I felt such anxiety and such despair, honestly, about like, I have, I'm all comparing despair, like comparing to other people, feeling like my career is not where I want it to be, feeling like I've failed, feeling like I'm not good enough, feeling like this person is achieving so much more and being so mad. And then that just triggers the whole like, well, I'm not, I'm, I have the fear thing, the fear yep. thing of, but I do think, I don't know, it's so funny because last time we talked, I was kind of in a little bit of a different place on this. And I feel like in the last, week after having spent a lot of time sleeping a lot yep. of time like yep. being quiet and a lot of time like just 
thinking and, and having space to do that. I think part of me, I mean, I don't, I don't feel done. I don't feel done with it. I don't feel done with, with acting. And I, yeah. I feel like, I don't know. I, I get so emotional when I think about it because I do think, like I said, kind of beginning this conversation, it's wrapped up in so many things. And I think yes. trying to untangle like what is fear-based thinking and what is like actually what I feel passionate doing. And am I just really scared to do it? Am I just really scared of like kind of free falling into the unknown because I like things to be really clear and safe. Right. Um, and then also like on the parallel. Yeah. Like how do I, how do I, if this is something that I want to do, you know, down the line, or if I take a break and I come back or whatever, or if I don't take a break, like how do I make this, how do I feel good in this? Like, how do I feel good when someone's like, what do you do? I mean, I hate that question. Everyone hates that question, but like, yes. it's I, been a big I topic on this podcast. Yes, I know. I, mean, I, think <laughs> it's important. I don't feel good saying like, I'm an actor. It doesn't feel right. Yeah. And at the same time, other things I do, it doesn't feel right for me to say that that's what I do because right. there's part of me that doesn't feel like that fully encapsulates everything. So again, what you're saying about being a hyphenate, like, mm-hmm. I kind of took a pivot this year, end of this year, and started working um, for Momofuku Milk Bar. I like mm-hmm. run the lead instructors in their classroom department and starting that was really joyful in the sense of, again, it was very tangible and very creative and connecting. It had so many skills. It required so many skills that are skills I have and, and things I really feel excited about. And like putting your hands in a big bucket of frosting, like, so yeah. joyful. like um, and again, feeling very creatively satisfied in, in certain ways and not in others. And I think it's again, like a journey that's very new, but one that, uh, I've been thinking about a lot, even in the small time I've been there, um, kind of why I started and why I, uh, what I hope to gain from just trying something else. And again, like what you're saying, yes, it's so hard to just try something else, even if it's not, you know, you're not saying like, I'm cutting this other thing out completely. Right, like, right. It's not, it's not an end all be all. Nothing is end all be all. But I think it's hard for me to give myself permission to explore. I think for actors, especially, I mean, all creatives, but I mean, there are so many other creatives like writers, you can, you can, you can write whenever, you know what I mean? It's not as simple as Mm -hmm. that, but there's something about being an actor for hire that when you do it for a period of time and you haven't had the success you've wanted, you kind of become, you get stuck on a loop where you're waiting for someone to give you permission or waiting for someone to tell you you're worthy and good and all these things. And it's really hard because everyone tells you like, oh, we'll just, you know, write a thing or make a thing or do it. But like, yeah, I know. And it's like, I can't force myself to want to do that. But even doing what you're doing at Momofuku or for me, it's this podcast, like it is important. Even it, you don't have to monetize it. You don't have to do anything, but for you to be able to do something where you have a bit of control and um, some stability of activity, I think it's really yeah. healthy. And it, I don't think it's a coincidence that actors who've been in ruts start booking when they take on some other activity, hobby, interest, yeah. or yeah. job even. I mean, like I've, well, I've had some friends recently who've been like, fuck this, I'm leaving. And then they go and get a real job. And then 
boom, something turns around and they get the amazing acting job. Or even I have friends get pregnant, decide to start a family. Boom. They start booking pregnant. It's crazy. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and that's what this was. It's creative energy. Very conflicted about taking this opportunity because I was like, this is full time. Like this is a, this is a choice to, to kind of pivot for a minute. And I think, yeah, exactly. Energetically though, I've never given myself and I still like, I haven't fully given myself that permission. I think I know I haven't, but just to take a step back Mm -hmm. and like that when you're in these moments where, like you said, like in a rut or in, in a moment of reckoning, like you kind of, you really need to give yourself permission. And I'm saying this as much for myself (laughs) to remind myself, like you need to be able to let yourself take a minute and and explore something else mm-hmm, mm-hmm. whether or not like that's anything that's a tangible thing and I agree like your energy shifts like I've I I'm so funny but I saw little women last night I went oh, by myself so good um I first of all I auditioned for Amy March no this way is like you know I like a self-tape you know what I mean like, yeah 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 I tape, and I remember like loving it when I taped for it and like seeing it on the screen I was like I had felt that feeling that I don't feel very often where I was like, I still like am aching to do that part. Like yeah. I wish that that was me. Like seeing it on the screen, I was like, I wish that was me. And like, and I wish for, <laughs> I said this to text my friend, I was like, I cried all the way home. Cause I did. I, I cried for like so many different things. I was like mourning this, like this feeling of not mourning, but kind of like welcoming back this feeling of like, Oh, it is nice to feel like, Oh, I am aching to do this. I'm yeah. aching to do that. Yeah. Also, like you're aching for like big love and and yes. big like like vulnerable magic. Like I think, ugh, because it's also you know like this year was hard. Like my long term relationship ended and was like again reckoning with all of what comes with that and yep. like self worth, all those things. And I think feeling like oh, I'm gonna be alone forever. Like I should be alone forever. And mm. you know again. It's so silly because you're like watching a movie, but you're just like, it's so complicated and beautiful the way that she writes and shoots a, like love and know, how complicated she's so it is. Good. She's so good and, and everyone in it is so good. And I, it just, I was like, I do, like, I do want big, I want, like, I'm ready for that. Like, I want it. And I, yeah. and I want, I want that creative energy. Like, so all that to say. So beautiful. Um, what a good experience. It was, I mean, it feels so silly because, you know, it's a movie. And, no, and I have that experience every time, I, yeah. <laughs> especially with a good one. It, I'm like, oh, yes. But I guess, yeah, like really trying to embrace, I think more than anything, like trying to embrace the softness of like, of being graceful with yourself, mm. like really trying to be, to be loving to myself in a way that's giving myself permission to have things go a day at a time and not try to think too far ahead or put too much weight on anything. Because again, like you said, it's a long game. And like, if we really creative, they do think, I know that that's me. Like, I know that I am always gonna, I'm gonna have to have creativity manifest in my life in a way that that really is major. And and maybe that, maybe that will be like, yeah, maybe I'll get a huge acting job or like maybe I'll leave the business for a while or maybe I'll, you know, be more of a hyphenate and like yeah. I'll expand 
into other food projects or because I have a lot of things that I like am excited about but feel fearful of um Mm -hmm. I think just like giving that permission trying to like every day like you said it's a practice like every day trying to give myself that permission to not compare your journey to other people and also to just be like what actually makes me happy like what do I actually feel doing without like goal or um like achievement because again as actors I do think you're kind of conditioned to be like or it's really hard to separate your sense of self like your person your being from yes. the work you do because you are the instrument and like, like <laughs> yeah or like being able to be like be like what are you working on and being mm-hmm. like uh I have this thing or I have nothing and let yeah. you feel like you are nothing and mm-hmm. I've spent so much of my life being like here's this thing you know like holding out my hand and being like I did this thing so I'm worthy right, right like I right. did this thing I'm successful, right? And it's like that shouldn't have anything to do with who you are. And I think that's really hard for me is trying to separate that. I think that's part of the practice of this year is like, oh, yeah. Like finding the things that bring you joy and incorporating them into your life in a real way without pressure. Yep. I mean, that's, that's a big thing, but just like separating your worth from your work. And I, oh. that's something I've talked to my, my dad about a lot, you know, and I think being in his 60s like that's a big thing too for Mm -hmm. for him Mm -hmm. everybody is just you know taking yourself out of it in a sense um and making it about the work and you like different they're different yes um sarah this is so helpful (laughs) this is helpful for me to hear i know this is going to be helpful for so many people to hear and you're doing great Oh, thank you. I mean, God, it's, I feel like everyone should hear that. Like in the sense of, yeah, like you're doing great. Yeah, you're doing great. You really are. Doing your best. Mm -hmm. Everyone is just trying to be graceful with themselves and with every, I mean, that should be the word. That should be it. That should be enough. Like, well, you're um, navigating such a you're navigating this with so much grace. And even, I mean, I just talked to you a few weeks ago and you already feel like, like things are starting to shift and, you know, what are some of the, um, the things that you're consuming? Um, like how, how are you staying well? What is keeping you inspired and healthy? What are some of your fave? Oh, that's good. Like what have I been watching or reading? What have you been watching? What have you been reading? What modes of self-care? Um, yeah. What do you do to stay healthy? Oh, so oh, great question. Um, well, I watch a lot of the Great British Baking Show. Oh, <laughs> I know we medicine. About. It's medicine. It's been in some of the other episodes. It is truly the most joyful thing, I think, on the television. On mm-hmm. the television. Mm-hmm. Um, he's so happy. I cried every finale. Um, just people being kind to each other. Like, yes. Just, and a lot. I really do. So that's really lovely. I, Fleabag was my favorite TV thing that I watched ever, probably. Mm-hmm. Um, I think she's just incredible. Uh, and I find her so inspiring. And I also just find her storytelling so inspiring. And, so inspiring. Um, uh, Parasite was a oh movie God. I saw this fall, which I loved. So I crazy. I mean, so crazy and so good and so smart. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love, I love seeing things whether it's like in theater or um, in film or TV. I, I'm again like I'm such. I just love stories so much, and that was just like it just unfolded in the most like 
Oh, like delight. I love when a medium uses the medium so well too. You know, like I love when I go see a theater show that is purely theatrical that they could not do on film. I love seeing a movie that you could not do that in the theater. You know, like that was a piece of high quality cinema that was so special. Totally. Um, In terms of other things, I have always, I felt like been pretty good at taking care of my physical self, like just in making sure I drink enough water and Mm -hmm. get enough sleep. So I think also in a sense, it's like a little bit, being a little bit messier about it. Like not, Mm. again, not being controlled with it. Um, And being like, oh, did it fill me up to like spend that night with my friends and stay out and not get enough sleep the next day? Or like, yes it did like it just fills you up in different ways I think um yep yeah I mean like exercise and sleep are a big priority in my life just to keep me healthy I go to a therapist every week who I've been seeing since I left Wicked and has really so good life um I'm on medication for anxiety and depression which has changed my life um yes that's important to say because I have had a lot of shame around it. And, yeah, we need um, to get rid of the stigma around that big time. Totally. It's weird. I didn't have it for other people, but I definitely had it for myself. Of course. I really felt like it was something I shouldn't need. Um, and maybe I won't eventually, but exactly. I can see my shift. Like I can see it in the way that I think about things and, and it's helped me shift or at least like take a second before that rabbit hole starts, the, you know, um, to just be like, mm you know, take a step back and yes. really look at what the is. Um, I think I've been really struggling with community this year and feeling mm. like I was a, part of a pretty strong group of friends from my, my partner, my, you know, my ex-partner and yeah. um, feeling like I sort of lost that and was trying to like recreate or create um, a community for myself. And I think that's still something I'm struggling with and like figuring out which relationships to invest in and which not to. But I think I, I get so much joy and I feel well when I'm with people that I really yeah, love and totally. feel really safe with and that my relationships are going to be different than other people's. Like mm-hmm. I, I always thrive with like the one-on-one connection. Like my friend would always be like, you go on so many coffee dates. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cause I love to like sit down and like have a talk with one Yeah. Friend, you know? Yeah. I love groups of people, but, and I get a lot of from that too, but. Um, just like real deep connection is really mm-hmm. important. And so, yeah, I do try to stay inspired, like just as a person, I like to go to museums by myself. I like mm-hmm. to go a lot of walks. I live right by um, Central Park and I walk the reservoir a lot, not really in the winter, but I um, love that reservoir. Oh, I've been coming here since I moved here. And yeah, you're on the Upper like, West Side, right? Yeah. And yeah. I have so many moments of just like, when I've been devastated or elated or like questioning or anything, like just walking that space is really special. So I think like, again, and New York is such a walking city. I think getting out and just like walking is something that I find a good way to process. Yeah. Thing. Um, so yeah, I would say those probably. So good. Well, I feel like you've already given so many nuggets, but my question is, what is something that you think creatives everywhere, everyone listening needs to hear? It's usually something that you need to hear yourself. Okay. I, I've been thinking about this a lot and I, 
nothing was like crystallizing as like, this is the thing, but I think it can be so many things. Yeah, it can be. It's a lot of things. I think it's gotta be something that my best friend said to me this year, um, or I guess last year. Mm -hmm. And I remember I was really, I mean, really the summer and fall, like really the summer, like I've never been more depressed. I really was like really worried for myself and I was physically very unwell and mentally mm-hmm. very, very unwell. And um, I remember we were, she was talking on the phone and she was like, it was going to sound pretty dramatic. And it wasn't as dramatic as it, as it I might seem, but she yeah. was like, we, we need you here. Like, I need you here. Yeah. Like, I need you here. Like, I need you in, in the world. Like, I need you. We need you here. And I think you know, that can be applied to so many contexts of like, oh, like the world needs you. Yeah. Yeah. Like the people who love you need you. The world needs you. And whether that's, it needs you to, to keep going. <laughs> it needs you to just like really embrace the mess and embrace the feelings and just be there for it. Like be there for what the journey has to offer because you don't know. I don't know. I don't, I don't have any idea what my life will be like in a year. Um, Me neither. <laughs> but, no, I mean, I have no, like literally no idea, but I think yeah. just keep going, like keep, keep going. Cause the world needs you. Oh, so beautiful. Well, we <laughs> talked about some big, amazing things and I'm so, so grateful for your shares. It's helped me so oh much today. God, and I know so it's going to help so many people. But I feel like we should do some fun rapid fire just to close it out with some effervescence because I don't want you to not do it. Okay. I mean, I don't remember what your questions are, so I'm kind of nervous. Well, I don't either. I just make them up every time. You do? Yeah. No, you don't. Yeah. Oh my God. I love that. It's so fun. Okay. What, uh, what city are you hoping to visit this year? Oh man. I mean, if I could have any city ever. Uh, I would love to go to Peru. So cool. Yeah, I would love to go to Peru. I would love to see to go to Lima and see Machu Picchu and eat all the things. If I could have any, yeah, I would try to do that. Okay, well, I need to ask an actress eats top five meals in New York. Oh my god, that's impossible! I know, oh. I know. Okay, the the first five that come to mind. Oh god, well, the thing about New York is like there's it's high bar low route like and I that's to dumb it down but like there's fine dining and then there's like three dollar dumplings and they're all incredible and that's totally city amazing I would say my favorite my favorite restaurant in New York is Via Corota only Mm -hmm. because I mean for a lot of reasons and people love this place but um I love the environment there the food is so simple and so impeccable it's Italian very like I wouldn't say it's casual but like it's pretty casual like it Mm -hmm. feels totally accessible and the meals I've had there have just been so special um so I would say that uh okay um <laughs> this is crazy because I never would have said this I guess before I had this dish but like <laughs> there's a Malaysian I know but like I would never say this there's a Malaysian place that opened um called Kopitiam which I hope I'm pronouncing correctly actually but uh it's uh East Broadway down in the Lower East Side and mm-hmm. they have a dish it's like I mean the whole menu is amazing but there it's like Malaysian um I guess like not street food but kind of it's like it's very casual it's like order at the counter and you sit they have a 
like pan fried mushrooms. It's just like a bowl Yum. of mushrooms. I mean, that's like very dumbing it down, but like right. it, it's these, it's called, I think it's called crisscross mushrooms. And there's just like a bunch of different kinds of mushrooms. They're cross hatched and they're just like covered in this like unbelievable sauce. It's like full of a billion things and it's oh over coconut rice. And it's just like <gasps> so ridiculous. I never, I never would be like, oh yeah, I'm going to go eat a bowl of mushrooms. Like That I sounds like my dream. It's amazing. Um, oh gosh, three more things. There's just too much. Um, gosh, I should have thought about this because I have so many things I love. Uh, well, I know. Also, follow an actress eats, and you'll never be bored of like your food so choices, good. especially in New York City. Um, I just had a really great meal at Nami Nori, which is a hand roll like sushi counter, I guess. Kind Yum. of, yeah. It's by the same people who opened Masa, which is like the most expensive meal, I think, still in New York. It's like crazy high end omakase sushi, but they just opened this very, very, very affordable place. It's mainly just hand rolls with tamaki. Mm. And um, I went with a friend who's visiting, and uh, God, it was just so good. Again, so impeccable, but like so accessible and delicious. Mm-hmm. So that was a standout for sure. Oh God, there's so many. <laughs> it don't even have to be meals. I like even <laughs> treats. I feel like you're so good with the treats too. The treats. Oh yeah. Well, the treats for sure. Um. Oh man, what did I just have recently? I feel like I have to like look. I know. Um, look at your own gram. Your I camera know, roll. Like, <laughs> exactly. Uh, superiority burger is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, that place is so good and it's very beloved people love it uh I usually just go and get the veggie size like whatever their specials are um it's so good it's it's uh, the tiniest little place you can there's like four seats it's really like what? you take it and go sit you sit in the park or you like take it and eat on the sidewalk mm-hmm. um but again it's like it's all vegetarian sometimes vegan it's these like kind of rock stars people like Brooks Headley who you know comes from like super fine dining he opened this spot and like it's got that like total rock star vibe yeah it's and super affordable everything is just like so good flavor um say, yeah I would say like some of the veggie dishes I've had they also do like a gelato and um sorbet every day that's different and what? that's sort of like what they feel inspired by mm-hmm. and um I've had some like pretty incredible, like there was like a tahini gelato I had there that like sort of blew my mind. Um, <sighs> but uh, so that treats like, man, I'm such a sweet tooth person. Like it's a, it's a problem. I have a <laughs> <Same>. real issue. <laughs> so I would say like, oh man, there's too many. I try to like, also I experiment more with baking at home. So I yeah. do kind of experiment with that. And I like, I mean, cookie dough, give me like cookie dough any day of the week. Like even if it's like from the slice and bake grocery store aisle, like so good. that's, that's what I want always. I have to think about it. Oh God. There's too many. Too, too many. many too many. Too many. Okay. What, uh, do you have a favorite book? Oh, favorite book. My favorite book is Me Talk Pretty One Day by David Sedaris. Mm-hmm. Um, who I, lo- I mean, I've loved for a year. That book is still, so I would say my favorite. Um, but I've been reading a lot of Ann Patchett. Mm. And I would say like Ann Patchett's book, like Commonwealth, really so just like good. so good. Um, I would say that's one of my favorites. And 
I read um, Ariel Levy's uh, memoir. Oh, was that so good? The rules do not apply. It's amazing. Yeah. I, I, if you're, if you haven't read it, like read it, but don't read anything about it before you read it. I know. It's, See, it's, I, I feel like I read too much about it because of um, Bellatrice. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Well, she wrote an essay uh, in the New Yorker, I think, that eventually then turned into this book, and the yeah. essay is sort of a, a pivotal moment in the book. But the way that she writes about love and longevity and love and and evolu- uh, evolution through like your own stuff oh mm-hmm. I just like I think she's such an incredible writer so vulnerable that book I've like given to many friends I just think it's so good so amazing do you feel like you have a spirit animal <laughs> <laughs> probably I never thought about that actually I think because I like I don't know I don't I don't think about it I know um, it's hard to pick Honestly, I, the thing I keep thinking about right now, I keep thinking about a deer, and I don't know why. Wait, that's mine. No way. Yeah. What does it mean, Paige? I, I don't know. know. We need to look it up, but I always, I feel like I love, love deer. Although lately I've been seeing hawks, no joke everywhere, and I'm like, okay, this is supposed to oh, be a I hawk. I love that. Crazy. I love crazy. the hawk. The hawk yeah. is like so strong and powerful. I feel like that's a good one. That's crazy. a good one to have. Yeah. Yeah. Let me see if there's, oh, okay. What, when you were a kid, I love asking this question. When you were a kid and you went to the video store, what was the tape that you got again and again and again? Oh man. What was the tape we got? Um, well, I love Robin Williams. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I feel like and I will always love him. I also love his stand-up. If you've never listened to his stand-up, it's filthy. And it's so funny. Um, the HBO special he did, I guess, what was it like? I guess it was around when George Bush was still president, or I think. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, it's so funny. So I don't know. I, there wouldn't be like one, but I would say that like, you know, something like Mrs. Doubtfire, I've yeah. seen a hundred times. Yeah. I saw Titanic a hundred times. Uh-huh. <laughs> But like, you know, I've seen that movie so much. Um, yeah, I don't have like a specific one. I think there were a few that I love. And we watched so many movies growing up. I think that was also like such a blessing. Like we were just always watching stuff. But yes. yeah, I would say probably like Mrs. Doubtfire or I don't even think I ever rented Titanic. But like, it's just, I saw it so many times. You can't so deny it's Our, so good. <laughs> you're nine or however old. <laughs> How do you take your coffee? Ooh, so I used to only drink Americanos. I remember that. Um, you always got an Americano yeah, when we went to coffee. And I, I was like, this is do. cool. Yeah. Well, I still kind of do. I love Americano. But I, my favorite, if I'm like really letting myself have a happy day, like at a coffee shop, is uh-huh. um, a Cortado. Oat milk so Cortado. Good. Oat milk yeah. for life. I just hooked, I just got John hooked on oat milk, which is really saying something because he like is the wow. dairy king. And he was like, oh yeah. no, this is pretty good. Like, <laughs> It's very good. I mean, yeah. I want to experiment with making my own a little more because I don't like that it has sugar in it. Like I really I don't like meat. I've tried though and it gets gummy. I need to figure it out. I need to explore. Yeah, I haven't really investigated. Yeah. yeah. So like I love Cortado is like, I like things that are very coffee forward. So like mm-hmm. Cortado is just the taste of milk. So that's why I like Americanos, but I love the taste of coffee. Yeah. So latte is like too milky for me. So I like a little Cortado. How do you want beef. people, how do you hope that you make people feel? Safe. 
Mm. That's a good one. Like, yeah, just say like to, to be, I think, because that's what I want. That's yeah. what I, what I want to feel like. Well, we're the second day into a new year, a new decade. What are three oh, things okay. that we as a community can hold <laughs> space for you for in the coming Whoa. decade? Hold space for you for yeah. as a community? That's such a beautiful question. What can we hold space for you for? Ooh. Um, well, kind of like I said, I think the two biggest things for me this year that have come out of like thinking about what I would like to feel this year are less fear. So mm-hmm. like really start to think, start to separate my thinking from that fear-based thinking um, mm-hmm. and kind of try to live, live not, I mean, you can't live without fear, but like just live kind of with more of a, a gracefulness around it. And yeah, just awareness like, of it. You. Yeah. I see you and I don't need you for this. Yeah. Like, I, I can alchemize right this. Uh, being scared is not actually what I need. Like that's not keeping me safe. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the other thing, which like feels pretty vulnerable to say, I guess, but like, I would really love to learn to really love myself. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's like, it's big. Like I said before, I think I didn't really understand that I didn't until yep. probably a year ago. And I think that surprises a lot of people. I think I can really that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It really surprised people when I would say, and, and I don't say it to be like, I'm so like, I don't love myself. Like, no, I no, no. Like a rational thing of like, wow, really? Absolutely. When you're a functional, like outwardly confident woman, you're like, what? Yeah, and I know that that was going on in a loop down there. Definitely. I think I have a tendency to disappear into things, like disappear Mm -hmm. into making other people feel good, and and I feel good lifting people up. Yeah. I don't claim I don't claim a lot of my own space without feeling like I'm burdening people, and I think that again that comes from like not really trusting that you're worth it not really trusting that like the people who love you love you because of who you are yes. um so I say that and so those are the two biggest things I'd say just like the trust like I have a tattoo that says trust the process on my ribs that like that's good it's, it's more complicated than it was when I got it like it has a lot of different meanings now and it's in my mom's handwriting and um and I think that's the phrase that I hear everywhere and I I hear that and you are enough or the mm-hmm. two that are kind of like the like I hear them all the time. And I every time I hear it, I'm like, okay, like, yep, that's it. Like Got you're trusting the process of what life is and who you are and your evolution. Um and then you are enough is again like it's so simple but it's really profound. I mean like yeah. to really just be like you as a person without your achievements, without your without anything, like you are enough just as you are. You, you living and breathing. Be- is it? Yeah. So you need to be giving, you know, holding out your things for other people to validate. Like Ugh. you are enough of, so those are some pretty big things. I think that I'm looking at next decade. God, I mean, I didn't do the whole very stressful thing. A lot of people do on Instagram was like 2010. I did this. I know I didn't I did do it either. <laughs> I was like, that is far. No, that's so stressful. But I do think about 2010 and like, damn, you know, I was actually ironically at Northwestern teaching. Wow. Um, the Cherubs program, their like National High School Institute. Like that was mm-hmm. the year of so much. And I think about where I am now versus where I am, where I was and just all that's happened. And I just, I can't, God, I can't picture where I'll be in 10 years. Yeah. I don't even, I, don't even, I hope I'm happy. It's that's kind of good. all I really 
Yeah. I feel it. I'll be 40. Ooh, I know. I know me too. When I was my last restaurant job, which I haven't been at in a long time, but um, this woman was celebrating her birthday. She was turning uh, like 44 or something. Mm-hmm. I remember serving her and she was like, she was, I was like, yeah, I just turned 30. And she was like, you know, the thirties are good, but like the forties are better. That's what everyone like, the 40s says. So good. Especially when I'm like, okay, that makes me feel good. Like, yeah, from a woman, I was like, I, if I, I hear from a woman, like a confident, like 44 year old woman, she's like, it just gets better. I'm like, thank Ugh. God. Yes. I'm ready to like leave all this shit behind. Oh be yeah. <laughs> it's going to get better. Sarah, thank you so, so much. This was such thank a great you, conversation. Pain. And oh my God, it's like so difficult for me to just even say these words to you. Uh, like this decade is gonna rule for you. Oh, this decade. Thank you. And yes. I feel like everything that you're doing is so good, so necessary. And you know, all of the painful rock bottoms. I mean, I've been there. I feel like I'm just coming to the other end of it, and I know it won't be the last one. But right. um, there's they're necessary oh. and they're leading us toward our higher purpose. Work. Yeah, you really have. And I just like, I love that you're doing this podcast. I think it's so important. And I think it feels, it feels such a space that isn't filled of just like, how are we creative? Like in our lives, not, not as an achievement thing. I think it's so important. I just like, I don't know. I, I, like I said, like we haven't known each other that long. I just, but I've seen even in the short time, you just like totally blossomed into this new space. It's going to be good. I'm, Thank you for saying that for me, like for thinking forward. Like I, I really want to reflect that back to you. Cause I think Thank you. you're doing so many brave things and I admire you so much. Oh, thank you so much. Have the best new year, the rest of the first week. Of yeah. The well, year. So I'm going to go check another place off my New York uh, food list tonight. Yes. So oh, I'm actually, where can everyone follow along on your journey? Cause it's good. Oh, yeah. Um, I wouldn't honestly follow my blog right now because I'm not really writing on it much, but I would say Instagram is where I'm at. So the gram. So it's actress underscore eats. So it's just actress eats on Instagram. And then my personal account, which I post on like less frequently, but still some, you know, part of my life there is um, S shank. So S S C H E N K on Instagram. That's where I'm at. Thank you, friend. Oh, thank you. Have a great day. Friends, thank you so much for tuning into the Blank Page Podcast. If you like what you heard today, please subscribe to the show, rate, review, and if you have a friend you think might benefit from these conversations, let them know about it. Spread the word. Let's create a community where we lift each other up, support each other through the shitty times, and celebrate each other's wins. Please let me know if there's any way that I can support you in your journey. Thanks so much for listening and have a beautiful day.